0: Hell, we talk about it some, but hell's a real place. It's a real place of conscience, conscious torment and suffering. It's apart from all goodness, completely devoid of God. And it's the destiny of all those that don't have faith in Jesus. When you see how Jesus describes it in Matthew 13... Uh, In 49 and 50, he says, The angels will come, they'll separate the wicked and the righteous, and they'll throw them into the blazing furnace where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus describes hell as a place of fire and weeping and fear and darkness. In Matthew 25, uh, 41, it says, The king will turn to those on his left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire. prepared for for the devil and his demons. In Matthew 25, 46, he says Those, these will go away into everlasting, that it, it, it's eternal, everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. In Revelations 14, 11, it says in the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. There will be no rest day or night. But Jesus went to the cross. Jesus went to the cross. His love and his blood on the cross, canceled the debt of sin. John three sixteen and 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved." And so we've been talking about this book of Romans, and and we started last week in chapter 9, and really chapter 9 and 10 and 11 all kind of flow together. They all are sort of the same train of thought, Um, because again, the book of Romans, it's not a book with chapters, it's a letter, and then they added the chapters later so you could find things, but he's continuing on this train of thought, and... One of the other things Jesus said was that, I tell you this, many Gentiles, people that aren't Jewish, will come from all over the world, from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites, those for whom the kingdom itself was prepared, will be thrown into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But then look at, We talked about chapter nine last week, but if you look at how chapter nine starts, this whole discussion about the unsaved Jewish people, he he starts with this line of thinking. He says, with Christ as my witness, I speak with utter truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow An unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ, if that would save them. He says that his heart's filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief. In the ESV, it says great sorrow and unceasing anguish. That he would willingly be forever cursed, cut off. From Christ. And where it says that he would be willing to be forever cursed, it, the, the, that forever cursed is translated from the Greek. The Greek word there is anathema. Anathema basically means to be damned. He says, I would willingly be damned cut off from Christ completely for the sake of my Jewish brothers and sisters. He says, I would rather be separated from Christ who I love so much, who I've given my life to serving if doing that would save them. I would rather be damned to hell for eternity. I would rather be completely cut off from Jesus if doing that would save my Jewish brothers and sisters. When was the last time you felt that way about anyone that that you knew that was unsaved? That if they were to die today, a family member or a coworker or a schoolmate or a friend, and you know they don't have faith in Jesus, That if they were to die today, that you know that they would spend eternity in hell cut off from Jesus. When was the last time you were so heartbroken by that fact that you would say, look, I know Jesus, I know I'm going to heaven when I die, but you know what? I would rather go to hell for eternity if they would just get saved. Paul says, that's how I feel about my Jewish brothers and sisters. When was the last time you were in that much anguish because somebody that you knew was going to hell? When was the last time you were in that much anguish for somebody that you deeply cared about? As I've been reading that this week, it's it's weighed heavy on me. So I just want to take a couple of minutes right now and just pray about that. Father, last week, we talked about having hard hearts. God, I walk by... Unsaved people every day, and my heart remains unbroken. Could it be that my heart has become hard? Father, would you break my heart for what breaks yours? Would you soften and then break? my heart for people, for faces that are one breath away from entering an eternity without you. Jesus, you willingly went to the cross. You were tortured, you had your your heart broken. For me. Your heart was broken for me. Your broken heart was broken for all of us. And Father, most days we don't spend a moment, we don't shed a single tear over people that we know. Let alone people that we don't. Our hearts are not in anguish for people that we love that are that close to hell. Dear God, have our, our hearts become hard? Father, may you in this moment soften our hearts. And break them for our brothers and sisters. For the brothers and sisters in our community, for our brothers and sisters in this country. The the way you broke Paul's heart. Jesus, we pray that you would show us people in our lives who are not saved and break our hearts for them. In fact, go ahead and pray that just in the quiet of your own heart. Just pray that to God. Jesus, show me people in my life who are not saved and break my heart. Break my heart for them. Just go ahead and pray that. Show me people in my life that aren't saved. Break my heart, Jesus. Jesus, I pray that you would just show us faces of people in our life that don't have faith in you. Break our hearts for them the way your heart is broken for them. Amen. We're going we're gonna to take a little bit more time in and a little bit to pray uh, for, for those people. But he starts chapter 9 with, with that. And we talked about chapter 9 last week. So we're going to start now at Romans chapter 10, starting at verse 1. And he says this, Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart... And my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. You know that. He, he just states that pretty clearly in chapter 9. He says, I, I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it's misdirected. And, and for the next six verses or so, he, he says they're, they're trying so hard. We talked about that last week. They're just trying so hard. They're working so hard to get God to come to them. But He says, Jesus is right here. In verse 8, he says, in fact, the message is very close at hand. The message, he says, it's on your lips. It's in your heart. It's right there. He's that close. That Jesus is just as far away as you telling the message to someone and them receiving it in their heart. He's that close. He goes on in verse eight, he says, and that's the message. He said that message is the very message about faith that we preach, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. If you're wondering, that's how. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Being saved by Jesus, saved from a life apart from him, saved from a life without a relationship with him, being saved from eternity and hell apart from him. Jesus is as close as confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Jesus is that close. Verse 10, it says, For it's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God, and it's by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. Now think again to who he's writing this to. He's writing it to Jews and non-Jews in this church. But, but think about that verse and how different that is from what the Jews were used to up to this point. He says, it's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. Up till then, it was a whole bunch of other things and rules and, and things they had to do. It's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God and it's by confessing with your mouth that you're saved. Think about how different that was from what the Jews believed. Think about how different that is from what so many quote unquote Christians believe. That by believing in your heart that you're made right with God, by confessing with your mouth that you're saved. Verse 11, he says, as the scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved pretty quiet. You'd think somebody would give an amen to that. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's good news. Anyone anyone who trusts in the name of the Lord will never be disgraced. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, believing in their heart, will be saved. Anyone and everyone. Salvation is open to all. Those people that God is beginning to break your heart for Jesus isn't far from them. But in verse 14, he says this, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? They won't call on Jesus to save them unless they believe in him. That makes sense. If I'm in trouble, I'm not going to call on Superman to save me. Why? Because I don't believe in Superman. He's a cool comic book character but i don't believe in him i don't believe that he's a real person so paul says they're not going to call on jesus to save them unless they believe in jesus and he says how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him they can't believe in jesus if they've never heard about jesus Again, that makes sense. It's not rocket science. They can't believe in Jesus if they've never heard about him. I guarantee you that there are people in your life right now that have never heard of Jesus. Maybe they've heard about him as a swear word, or, or maybe they heard about him as a white middle-class religious people thing. Maybe they heard about him because he's, well, that guy in the picture or that guy on that stained glass window or that guy that they talk about on the roadside sign sometimes. But I guarantee you that there are people in your life that have never truly heard about Jesus. And I can pretty safely bet that there are people in your life that haven't heard anything about Jesus at all. They can't believe in him unless they hear about him. Those people that you ask God, break my heart for these people. They can't believe in him unless they hear about him. And he says, and how can they hear about him? unless someone tells them. What what if they're that close to Jesus? They're that close, you telling them. What if they're that close and they still go to hell? How can they hear about him Unless someone tells them. One of the biggest lessons I learned over the shutdown was that you've got to make the most of every opportunity. Over the shutdown, I met my neighbor. I got to know him a little bit. We'd had a couple conversations, a little bit about God, I think he had a little bit of a belief in Jesus. Maybe he's a Christian, not, not real sure. But I, I knew that God caused our paths to cross. It was just sort of too weird for it to not be God putting, putting our paths in, in each other's way. And I got the sense that God wanted me to invite him to, to church, which, which I did do once, But or maybe invite him down to out of the boat or or just speak into his life somehow. But I had this sense that God wanted me to press in on him. But I wasn't in a rush. I figured, well, I'll, you know, maybe we'll see what happens. I'll let this relationship develop over time and I'll slowly, as we get to know each other, maybe invite them to church or, or say like, hey, there's this thing on Thursday night called out of the boat. It's a bunch of guys learning about Jesus. And I sensed even a couple times that maybe I just need to go knock on the door and be like, hey, what are you doing tonight? Let's, you can just come down with me. Or hey, like tomorrow is church i'll be I'll swing by about ten o'clock we'll pick you up we'll go to church, but I thought nah you know I'll just let this happen organically i'll just happen you know i'll just I'll just take my time and let this develop and God kept putting him on my heart, and I kept thinking well I'll just reach out to him when I see him if I drive past his house and he's out i'll stop. And I'll, I'll say something. I, I have this hanging in my office now. And if, if you can't see it, at the top of it, it says, in memory of. It's the memorial card from his funeral that I did. A few weeks after I met him, He ended his life. He intentionally overdosed. So it's hanging in my office now to remind me, you might not have the kind of time that you think you do. That when I say, maybe you should go talk to that person, maybe you should go talk to that person now. Make the most of every opportunity. And, and I, I had to be careful because I, that well, me keeping this on my wall, it, it could be a, a source of, of letting the enemy kind of speak to me and it be a guilt thing. Like, look how you failed. You, sh, you just should have said something. You didn't say something. And I had to pray about that because it definitely was a source of guilt for me but I prayed through it, but now it's just a reminder that you don't know how much time you have. And if God's speaking, if God's breaking your heart for somebody, step into that. Don't wait. And honestly, I I don't know for sure. Like I said, I don't know for sure I, if he was saved, I don't know if he's in heaven today or not. Like I said, I think he had some kind of belief in Jesus, maybe some kind of faith. But I, I just don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. But what if he was that close? I mean, I invited him to a couple of things. I, I talked to him once a little bit about Jesus. I prayed for him once. But I never asked him. I never asked him if he'd given his life to Jesus. I never invited him to put his faith in Jesus. I never said, hey, do, do you know where you would spend eternity if you died today? What if he was that close? Did my heart break for him? Did my heart break for him before he died? My heart broke for him after he died. A guy a couple years older than me ending his life. He was just depressed. Couldn't get over it. My heart was broken for him after he died, but... Was my heart broken for him before? Was my heart filled with great sorrow and unceasing anguish for my neighbor who I knew was struggling? Did I love my neighbor as myself in that instance? So I ask you today, who in your life is that close? The the word of God and a heart ready to receive it. Who in your life is that close? Maybe they're that close to an overdose. Maybe they're that close to suicide. Maybe they're that close to brokenness that's rapidly overtaking them. Who in your life needs to hear the gospel? Who in your life needs to hear that Jesus loves them? That they can have a relationship with Jesus? That they can trade in everlasting punishment for everlasting life? That they can find peace and love and acceptance and value with Jesus. And so Paul says in Romans ten fifteen. that is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. So let me ask you, What are your feet pointed to today? What are your feet? Who are your feet pointed to today? What are your feet pointed to? A a football game that starts after church today? Has God really not broken your heart for them yet? Maybe a nice relaxing afternoon, just chilling out? Is your heart that hard maybe an afternoon to get some work done what if while you're getting your work done they breathe their last breath and they were that close too often Christians will pray but we won't go will pray that God intervenes in their life and that God shows up in their life and that they'll give their heart to Christ. But we won't go be the answer to that prayer and be the hands and feet of Jesus and take the gospel to them. Maybe God is calling you to do more than just pray. If you're praying for them, but you're not willing to go to them and you don't really understand what it is to be a follower of Jesus. So I'm going to challenge you. Do it now. Before the service is over, give them a call. Text them, Facebook them, email them. Hey, I want to talk to you about something. It's nothing bad, but it's important. Can we get together sometime? Can we talk sometime? Go ahead. Do it now. There is someone who is that close to Jesus. They just need somebody to make the introduction. So we're going to pray. We're going to sing a, a closing song. But as we pray as, and as we sing... Maybe you need to ask the Lord who you need to reach out to. Maybe, maybe you need to repent because your heart is hard and your heart isn't broken for the unsaved people around you. If that's you, I'd invite you to come to the altar to, and, and just cry out to God and tell him, my heart is hard and I need you to break it. If you need to cry out to God for someone in your life because your heart is broken for them, come cry out. You can come cry out of the altar. You can come, you can cry out at your your seat. Maybe there's a, a, a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter in your life, somebody that knew God and walked away. Maybe your heart's broken for them and you just need to cry out. Maybe you just wanna come to the altar and get on your knees or sit in your chair and cry out to God for that one person. You know who it is. God's put their face in your head. You know their name, you know them, and, and, and you just need to cry out and have your heart break for them. Or maybe during the last song, you get up, you walk out, you get on your phone, You point your feet in a beautiful direction and you do something about someone who is one breath away, that close to hell. And today you're gonna do something to stop that. And you make that call, you send that text. Let's pray. Who is the person, Lord? Who are those people? Who are the people in our lives who need to hear, really hear, truly hear the good news about Jesus? Father, I pray that you would break our hearts for them and not just break our hearts in a, in a figure of speech kind of way, but that we would be like Paul, that that we would have unceasing anguish for them, that we would be so broken and and hurting for those people that we would be willing to go to hell in their place if they would just get saved. Help us to have your heart for those people in our lives. Who are the prodigals in our life? Who are the ones that have walked away? God's spirit may be giving you a face or a name. Cry out to God for them. Or maybe God's just saying, you know what? Right now, just stop praying. Go make a phone call. Stop praying right now. Just send a text message. Hey, we need to talk. Pray for opportunities to share Jesus with them. Pray for the courage to start a conversation. Who's that person? Start with one.